because of this acquisition that was really largely ignored by many investors and the media at large in 2019 and 2020, has actually become a very integral part of high-performance compute and data center-based AI. This really just underscores the immense growth potential. Because the designer of the chips and the AI systems has to be in such tight communication with the manufacturer of the chips and also a top partner for the packaging of the chips together into the actual AI system. When this company provided their full year 2023 update, they were already factoring in the chip designers and massive revenue boom. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different for our podcast listeners. Nick and I are going to have an audio-only session, so we will try to be as detailed as possible when we're discussing any visuals for our YouTube channel, but please give us some feedback on this format, and we'll see if you like it. So make sure you comment on our YouTube video, and you can catch us on Spotify for podcasters. So today we're going to talk about a few things. The first company is going to be Mellanox, and we're going to discuss whether we are going to be adding any Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing to our portfolio after the most recent NVIDIA's earnings release. And finally, we're going to discuss the company Umbrella, which we did a deeper dive into last month. So Nick, maybe you can start us off by talking about the company Mellanox. What is Mellanox and why do we need to know about it? All right. So we hit the ball just a little bit from you. Mellanox, as some of you may know, is actually NVIDIA. Mellanox was a chip designer based in Israel, founded in 1999. It was a fast-growing business in the late 2010s. They design networking chips based on InfiniBand architecture. We'll explain what that is here in just a moment, but you probably hear NVIDIA talk about InfiniBand all the time these days. So that was a very savvy acquisition that they announced in 2019. They finally completed the acquisition in March of 2020. And the reason we're bringing it up now is because NVIDIA data center compute is commanding the spotlight right now. Leading the way in that, of course, are their GPUs and GPU systems used in generative AI training. But often overlooked is this InfiniBand, mostly comprised of that Mellanox acquisition. And CFO Colette Crest said on the last earnings call that the networking slash InfiniBand segment housed within data center nearly doubled in revenue year over year in the second quarter. Just to give you an idea of the revenue breakdown for NVIDIA in Q2 fiscal year 2024, the total revenue was $13,507,000,000. Data center comprised 76% of that at $10.3 billion. So Casey, you've been covering NVIDIA for many years, including in 2019, early 2020, when they were in process of acquiring Mellanox. And that was an exciting acquisition because at the time, NVIDIA was still very much just known as the video game company. They made GPUs prim primarily for video games. And this Mellanox acquisition was really 
misunderstood because at the time NVIDIA had very little in the way of actual network computing. So it seemed like an odd fit. Was NVIDIA going the way of Intel and just expanding its portfolio of chip designs for the sake of expanding its portfolio of chip designs? But unbeknownst to many, the company's been working on these AI chips for many years. And Mellanox was actually always envisioned as being a very tightly integrated part of those GPUs, not for video games, but for AI, specifically data center AI. And so that acquisition really paying off in spades now. Again, just to reiterate on the last earnings call, GPU compute portion of the data center tripled in revenue year over year. So that's what's getting all the attention. But networking chips, which are an integral part of NVIDIA's holistic vision for data center AI, connecting these GPU nodes together from within different parts of the data center, sales of those doubled year over year. So this is an overlooked segment and an absolute steal that NVIDIA got from Mellanox back in March of 2020 when the acquisition was finalized. So when the deal closed, NVIDIA ended up paying $6.9 billion for Mellanox. The revenue end of 2019, Mellanox annual revenue was $1.3 billion. What portion of the data center is networking, Nick? Yeah, this is a great question and one that we don't really know the complete answer to. So again, $10.3 billion was NVIDIA's quarterly revenue from data center. At the end of 2019, just before NVIDIA finished the acquisition, Mellanox had done $380 million in quarterly revenue in Q4 2019. So obviously that segment has grown from 2019 through the pandemic, through calendar year 2022. We think it's highly likely that those networking sales possibly as much as doubled from 2019 to calendar year 2022 to let's say roughly 700 million in revenue. That would be roughly in keeping with what that part of the chip industry did during the pandemic up cycle. But since then, uh, Colette Crest said networking revenue almost doubled again from last year in the latest quarter. So we actually think that the networking part of this data center segment is far larger than many are giving it credit for. We think it's upwards of 1.5 billion in sales. So that would be roughly 15%, let's say plus or minus 5% of the total data center segment, which would mean in total that data center networking is a very significant part of NVIDIA's total overall revenue, perhaps 10% or even a little bit more of its total overall quarterly revenue of $13.5 This is a nice, stable revenue generator for NVIDIA, one that's highly profitable. Mellanox was a very profitable company when NVIDIA acquired it in 2019. And this really puts NVIDIA in the same peer group with Broadcom, which we will be reporting on their quarterly earnings when they come out late this week. Marvell Technology Group, which we just did an update on in our last episode, and also to a lesser extent, AMD. 
So NVIDIA, because of this acquisition that was really largely ignored by many investors and the media at large in, in 2019 and 2020, has actually become a very integral part of NVIDIA's vision for high-performance compute and data center-based AI. This really just underscores the immense growth potential for NVIDIA. And just a refresher on what InfiniBand is, that is the connective tissue of data centers between different parts of the data center. And Nick, maybe you can just explain to me what the difference is between InfiniBand and NVLink. Yeah, we're not hearing about NVLink quite as often as we're hearing about InfiniBand on the earnings call. But the difference is, as you said, Casey, in InfiniBand, the connective tissue, the data highway between different servers, different components within a data center, NVLink is the connection between chips in a single package. Part of the base level components of these AI compute systems, these big, massive servers, these giant computers that NVIDIA is having built, is their GPU to GPU and GPU to CPU superchips. Those are either a GPU and a CPU on a single package side by side or two GPUs on a package side by side. And you have to have a connection between those two chips in these big servers. And so NVLink is the connection between those chips. And InfiniBand is the connection between the different servers to each other and the different GPU nodes to each other within a data center. When we were talking about Arista Networks recently, we discussed the UEC, Ultra Ethernet Consortium. And what does this have to do with NVIDIA? It likely has everything to do with NVIDIA and specifically InfiniBand. So InfiniBand, it would seem with that doubling in quarterly revenue, picking up steam, taking market share from other networking chip and other networking component designers and suppliers, the founding members of this UEC are essentially what they're trying to do is Ethernet is an older technology. It's an older type of connectivity component that can be used within a data center to connect different servers and, and different GPU nodes, but uh, NVIDIA's InfiniBand gobbling up market share. And so founding members include AMD, Arista Networks, Broadcom, Cisco, Intel, as well as some of these big data center operators themselves like Meta and Microsoft. So it would seem like some of these companies that are having to shell out extra cash, not just for the NVIDIA GPUs, but also for some of the connectivity between those high-powered servers. They're also spending extra money with NVIDIA on InfiniBand. And so there's some obvious interest in maybe bringing Ethernet technology up to speed with the times and bringing some competition to NVIDIA. Everyone wants to talk about the need for competition for NVIDIA in the GPU market, in the actual compute part of an AI system, but uh, that's really only one part of the ingredient list. We also have to talk about this networking, and so that's what that Ultra Ethernet Consortium is. 
Time to discuss Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing. TSMC manufactures many of NVIDIA's chips. And so it would stand to reason that with NVIDIA having this explosion of revenue that TSMC would also benefit. So let's talk about whether or not we should add TSMC to our portfolio at this point. Casey, I'm sure you'll drop the link right here to our last update on TSMC after their last earnings report. It, it was, I suppose, in short, a bit of a disappointment when they said that their second half 2023 revenue was not going to rebound as much as once thought. A lot of investors after NVIDIA's Q1 report earlier this year, back in May, that would very quickly trickle down to TSMC. But it looks like TSMC is going to notch a, a bit of a sequential increase the back half of this year, but not as much as hoped for. The company probably still staring down a full year revenue decline of perhaps 10%, plus or minus 2 or 3% compared to 2022, which would be TSMC's first downturn really since 2019. So a bit of a disappointment. Now, NVIDIA has reported since TSMC's latest update, but because the designer of the chips and the AI systems, NVIDIA, has to be in such tight communication with TSMC, the manufacturer of the chips, and also a top partner for the packaging of the chips, together into the actual AI system. When TSMC provided their full year 2023 update, they were already factoring in NVIDIA's massive revenue boom. What you just said, Nick, makes a lot of sense. TSMC would obviously know what NVIDIA's plans are and what their needs would be in the coming quarters. Why is there no boom for TSMC? There's two primary reasons here, Casey. The first is that a lot of TSMC's other businesses are still in decline. Even in the data center segment, which we've got a slide here breaking down TSMC's sales by segment. So within that HPC, high-performance compute, that's where you're going to find the AI chips from companies like NVIDIA. In Q2 2023, that was about 44% of TSMC's revenue. So within that segment, AI is growing, but other parts of the data center are actually in decline as companies like Microsoft, Meta, Google, and so forth revamp their spending plans for generative AI. And so that means a decrease in spending in other parts of the data center, the non-generative AI parts. That HPC segment actually fell 5% year over year, even though AI, generative AI is booming. And then we talk a lot here about smartphones. TSMC, a top manufacturer of smartphone chips, that's a full one-third of TSMC's revenue, and that segment fell 9% year over year. That's the first reason why TSMC hasn't had this AI boom yet. It's because AI still was only 6%, they said, of their total revenue in Q2, so pretty insignificant despite the massive growth more than offset by weakness elsewhere. Now, Nick, you said there were two reasons that we're not seeing this huge increase for Taiwan Semiconductor. And the second reason 
was brought out by NVIDIA's CFO, Colette Kress. And I'll just read the quote here, Nick, and maybe you can explain to our listeners what we're talking about. She says, our data center supply chain, including HGX with 35,000 parts and highly complex networking, has been built up over the past decade. We have also developed and qualified additional capacity and suppliers for key steps in the manufacturing process, such as chip-on-wafer on substrate packaging. We expect supply to increase each quarter through the next year. So, Nick, maybe you can just explain why this is a reason that TSMC is not seeing a huge increase. In that quote, Casey, let's home in on this statement specifically. We, NVIDIA, have developed and qualified additional capacity and suppliers for key steps in the manufacturing process. So TSMC getting a boost from AI, but not all of NVIDIA's boom is flowing through directly to TSMC. Because of NVIDIA's incredible demand, which far exceeds the manufacturing capacity, the ability to crank out these chips and and systems, NVIDIA is having to expand its supply chain beyond TSMC. However, as NVIDIA CFO Colette Kress mentioned, she said that NVIDIA expected supply to increase each quarter through the next year. So this will poise as some vertical growth for TSMC for the foreseeable future. So overall, Nick, do you think it's time to add TSMC to our portfolio? The stock does look pretty cheap, especially from a trailing 12-month price-to-earnings standpoint, less than 16 times trailing 12-month P.E. ratio for the company. Now, that metric is probably going to get worse, assuming the stock price stays static where it's at today as of this recording, about $95 per share on ticker symbol TSM. Earnings are going to fall from where they were a year ago, the next two quarters. So this P.E. ratio of 15, 16 is probably going to get a bit more expensive. Maybe by the end of this year, if TSM stock is still at 95 bucks per share, maybe we're looking at a P.E. ratio of 18, 19, 20 times trailing 12-month earnings or somewhere thereabouts. The stock does look cheap. Maybe not as cheap as it appears on the surface. So if you're looking at TSMC long-term, management still thinks that they are going to grow an average 15 to 20% revenue in the coming years. And, and that's not just going to come from AI. That's obviously going to come from an expected rebound at some point in smartphones, in PCs, in other parts of the chip market. This could be a cheap stock if you're looking to buy and hold for the next three to five years. But Casey, I think uh, while we've warmed up to the idea of purchasing TSMC, we're still looking at the chip manufacturing equipment companies as the best bang for our buck. So we'll have another update on this when we discuss our September stocks we're buying in uh bit of a teaser here on that that's probably going to once again include ASML holding, ticker symbol ASML. So stay tuned for that. 
as further proof that chip manufacturing equipment is a current growth opportunity for our portfolio, TSMC had a news release on August 8th that states that they are partnering with Bosch, Infineon, and NXP for a joint venture to bring a manufacturing facility to Europe in Dresden, Germany. So Casey, a while back, we had made this slide here about Taiwan semis in need to expand outside of Taiwan. Currently today, almost all of their chip making and packaging happens in Taiwan. But in five years time, 2027, 2028, the company looking at 20% or more of their 28 nanometer and smaller capacity to be outside of Taiwan. So that would be primarily in the US, Europe, Japan, of course, China, they have some packaging facilities in mainland China to help spread out some of the geopolitical risk as tensions between mainland China and, and Taiwan can continue to simmer. But I think maybe just to put this in, in perspective a bit, Casey, this is really quite incredible. This planned fab obviously fits within TSMC's goal of getting to 20% or more production, their most advanced chip making nodes outside of Taiwan. This project expected to break ground by the end of 2024 and production targeted to begin by the end of 2027. So this is a fairly mid to long-term project. And the facility's monthly production capacity expected to be 40,300 millimeter or just under 12 inch diameter wafers. This is not just a drop in the bucket of the total global market share for silicon wafers, but it's also just a drop in the bucket for TSMC's total manufacturing capacity. In 2022, the company exceeded 15 million 12-inch equivalent wafers. So really, this new fab expansion in Europe is definitely going to be good for Europe's ambitions to increase its domestic production. Good for Bosch, Infineon, and NXP, which are going to be using this fab to supply themselves with primarily automotive and industrial chips. But at 40,000 a month, or just shy of 500,000 12-inch equivalent wafers per year, this is a very small overall capacity output increase for TSMC. We're talking, based on the 2022 numbers for TSMC, only about a 3% increase in their capacity from that point forward. Come 2027, TSMC's capacity is probably going to be even higher than that. So we're looking at just a couple percentage points increase in the company's production. Where we do see a lot of money flowing here is the total investment is expected to exceed 10 billion euros. And so a lot of that money is gonna be spent on things like chip manufacturing equipment, such as with companies like ASML and Applied Materials. If you'd like to know more about Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing and their Arizona Fab, we'll make sure to put a link to our video from January 2023 in the description. Let's move on to Umbrella. And as we mentioned at the beginning, we did a deep dive on this company last month. 
Nick, maybe you can just do a very brief refresher on what this company produces. We did, yeah, the deep dive on Umbrella alongside Quantum SI. Umbrella specifically designs vision chips. Historically, maybe you remember this company as being a top supplier for GoPro action cameras. The company has since kind of moved on from the consumer electronics market. They still do some supply work there. In some of their materials that they presented, it looks like Umbrella is a vision chip supplier for companies like Axon in, in the body cams, increasingly worn by law enforcement inside the U United States. In recent years, they've been trying to make this push into computer vision or CV chip architecture, which has some AI inference capabilities built in. Some of the compute for a computer vision system, like an uh, autonomous driving vehicle or advanced driver assist system, there's a camera on the car and that camera sees something, let's say uh, someone crossing the road. There needs to be a little bit of inference close to that vision sensor, that camera, to send the signal to, to the car's central computer that, hey, there's a pedestrian ahead. Maybe think about activating the brakes. So that's been just one example of what that might look like. That's where Umbrella's push has been in developing these vision chips with some embedded AI inference inside of them. We had said at the time that Umbrella and Quantum SI, ticker symbols AMBA for Umbrella and QSI for Quantum SI, we had said both of them were on our watch list the second half of 2023. And Casey, I think to put it simply, neither of these are on our watch list anymore. Yes, you can say that again. Both of them released their quarterly earnings reports and they were not pretty. Specifically, revenue for Umbrella was 62.1 million, down 23% from 80.9 million last year. Yeah, that was largely expected. But what was not expected was the outlook for Q3. So for Umbrella, this is the three months that will end in October 2023. They said revenue is expected to be. $50 million. So while a lot of chip companies are starting to report sequential increases quarter over quarter in their revenue, Umbrella, not so much. Going from $62 million last quarter to $50 million at the midpoint of their guidance for Q3, this company continues to go backwards. This is absolutely not what we were looking for. It, it looks like the company is still facing excess inventory among many of their customers. A lot of the automotive customers are in China and softening demand for the automotive market in China is hitting. But Casey, I, I think actually Umbrella possibly facing increased competition for some of their more legacy vision chips as well from perhaps a company that we also just covered recently, Indy Semiconductor. Yeah, Nick, we've discussed before that it seems that Umbrella has a hard time sticking with the plan. It seems that they move on to a different technology before fully cementing themselves in the current technology. And they haven't really had a lot of success with that. Is Umbrella throwing in the towel now? 
it, it looks like they might be moving on from some of their older vision chips that they had started designing. When they pivoted away from consumer markets a number of years ago, they rode the GoPro boom and they said, after the crash in the Go, GoPro boom, they said, you know what? We're going to focus on vision chips for enterprises. And that kind of initially led them into the security camera market and also the automotive market. But again, it looks like they, like you said, Casey, never got firmly established in that market. That product has become commoditized. It looks like maybe companies like Indy scooping up market share there. And now they're moving on to more all-in on the computer vision chip, AI inference built inside the chip. And like you said, I think throwing in the towel is maybe a good way of putting this. The company still doesn't have a nice established base to work off of before launching into newer technology. After seeing this cycle a few times, I think it's really hard to say Umbrella is a solid long-term investment because they've just never figured out how to dominate market share and hold on to market share in, in some of their older chip portfolio. And, and really that's the beauty of the semiconductor market and investing in stocks is you like companies that can establish themselves in a niche and then build on top of that well-established base. Umbrella's never been able to do that, unfortunately. We'll make sure to put a link to that previous analysis video of Umbrella and Quantum SI in the video description. After the earnings release and dismal guidance for both companies, we have removed Umbrella and Quantum SI from our watch list. That's all today from us at Chipstock Investor. Please subscribe to the channel and share our channel with your fellow investors. Our goal is to hit 10,000 subscribers by the end of this year, and we are well on our way, and we thank you very much for all of your support. Nick, what do we have on tap later this week? We are going to talk about stocks that are on our buy list for the month of September. If you missed what was on our buy list in August, give that a watch. That is still very much uh, a, a relevant video. We do not dramatically change course from month to month, but we'll provide a couple extra stocks we're looking at here as, as we head into the autumn months. We are also going to be taking a look at CrowdStrike earnings, hotly anticipated earnings report, and one that we know a lot of you are interested in hearing our take on, especially after we covered Fortinet, Palo Alto Networks, and Sentinel One. And then late this week is Broadcom earnings. We will probably get around to our coverage of Broadcom early next week after we digest what is sure to be a data-filled update from CEO Hawk Tan. We'll see you all again very soon here at Chipstock Investor.